Good morning, evening, afternoon, whenever you're listening to this. This is DJ Guthrie, and you are listening to the Republic to to the Republic. I get used to saying that. Uh, today's show, although only my second official show, I have done what I've been trying to promise you is to bring on a host or a guest host, or um, I don't know if I want to call them guest stars because that kind of defeats the purpose of what I'm trying to accomplish uh, with this show. Guest star has the premise of somebody who's a, uh, a, a high ranking figure. And I don't mean to discredit who we have on the show today, but um, the, the point of this show is to bring you the, the average person and their views and, and to debate or discuss what those views might be. So um, today I'd like to introduce everyone to first guest of the show, Bruce Linder. Bruce, uh, introduce yourself to the people out there listening. Hello, everybody. This is Bruce Linder talking. Um, I recently was contacted by TJ because of my conservative politics. And he thought I was a great voice of the everyman in this country. I don't know that I'm a voice of the everyman, but I will do my best to be everyman today. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would say that in, in regards to you're not part of the 1%, I don't think. So that's, <laughs> that's kind of the everyman now anymore, but um, he's definitely a decorated individual. The I want I used to use the term average Joe, but now the most extraordinarily average Joe I know um, is possibly the president elect and he is extraordinarily average. So I'm not sure <laughs> average Joe is the right term anymore because that, that might mean um, senile, seemingly pedophile kind of person. And I, that, that might not be a good term to use anymore, but um, Bruce, you know, tell everybody a little bit of your background as uh, as just a man and an American. Oh, Lord. Um, well, I call myself an average Joe. I certainly have not been sitting back working a nine to five like most people. Um, I spent 30 years owning an outpatient physical therapy clinic. Uh, I am currently teaching physical therapy at the University of Michigan in Flint, and I'm teaching physical therapy at the Michigan State University Medical School. Um, I've also written and self published a book. Father John, A Life in Season. Uh, you can see uh, Father John, A Life in Season by Bruce C. Linder. You can get that on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. I guess there's a plug there. And <laughs> yeah, probably, <that's> fine. <laughs> probably the scariest thing I've done is 40 years after I graduated Wayne State with a, degree in, with a bachelor's degree in PT, I started working on a doctoral degree at the University of Michigan. Uh, I'm a year into that, and so far with better grades than I got at Wayne State. Uh, which makes me happy. I thought I might flunk out completely. So that I'm being a competitive student makes me very happy. Yeah, I think everyone's first four years are their worst four years. <laughs> if, <laughs> if I'm being honest, I think uh, even the, the college kids that go for a, what you'd call a victory lap, the fifth year, uh, those are usually their more focused years anyway. So um, well, uh, that, well, I, I didn't even know you had to, I didn't even know that, you could be a physical therapist with a bachelor's degree. Now I kind of think I took the wrong career path, to be honest. No, no, <laughs> I didn't you, can't, go to school you, you can't anymore. I, I was oh, either okay. grandfathered or great-grandfathered in. 
okay. it became a master's and then a doctoral program throughout the last 40 years. Uh, what I do need is a doctoral degree to teach physical therapists. So that is why I'm going back for okay. my doctoral degree. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, you, you claim to be a conservative in the regards of politics and, and I'm assuming economics as well. Have you always been a conservative? Oh, heck no. Um, certainly when I grew up in the 60s and 70s, I was uh, a hippie wannabe flower child. I was mostly a liberal, though I even, even during the Nixon years, when Nixon was being burned on Watergate, not so much for the crime, but for the cover-up, I, I was looking at that going, he didn't do anything. Basically, what he was, he's charged with is a, a fraternity prank between the, the Democrats and Republicans. What, what is the big deal here? But the, the media was just like a pack of uh, rabid coyotes on him. And that's pr that was probably my first inkling. I, I might not be a dyed-in-the-wool liberal because I, I could look at my side or look at the other side with a, a certain degree of honesty. Um, and that's just continued ever since then. Right. Uh, you Actually, know, when the, when the media can get on the train of of the the, the saying "tricky dick," that's that's yeah. kind of where the media starts. Though they start with the name calling, and then it kind of spirals down from there. So, yeah, that's, yeah I think there was a, another change that happened. I, I was already well on the road to be a conservative, but it was the Clarence Thomas hearings when they tried to nail him for somehow, somehow being rude or callous to Anita Hill, a, a woman who followed Clarence Thomas throughout most of his career. And this was after the Clinton Lewinsky scandal and uh, the feminists of the age were saying, oh no, what Clarence Thomas did was much worse than Bill Clinton. And I'm like, you guys have no morality now. You're, you're just, you're just picking sides in a football game and you want your side to win. There, there's no core moral belief in your philosophy and that that was probably the big nail in in the coffin for me i was like okay we're done with that move on so if clarence thomas uh if the clarence thomas situation was the nail in the coffin you would probably consider yourself more a liberal you've been a liberal for more of your life than you've been a conservative uh well I, or, or I very close to equal now i guess it is 2020 yeah, I, I don't think the first 15 years count. Oh, by the way, I'm 63, however the math <laughs> works out. Um, yeah, the first, you know, I mean, it, until you're 15 or 16, you're just learning. You, you might think you're something, but it, it, one way or the other. But until you're 15, 16, you've really had some experience, or at least, and minor at that point, your philosophies are, are, are really just generating. And, um, but yeah. I... It might be I was a liberal longer than I've been a conservative. Um, I'd have to do the math. Uh, but again, there was, there was a gray area of change when I was probably neither. Um, and I, I'd have to sit down, look at a calendar, and try to make the best guess there. Well, it sounds like you've lived up to the old adage that everyone's a liberal until they're educated. It's something <laughs> like that. It seems like oh. you kind of educated yourself on current yeah. events at the time. and Oh, and, and still the case. I, I love yeah. the internet. Yeah. Uh, I, I know that my first inkling of being a Republican, actually, this is probably going to make you feel old, and I don't mean it to, but I was in uh, 
I think I was in fourth grade when September 11th, the September 11th attacks happened. Well, your, your son that um, I'm good friends with, he's a year, maybe two years older than me. I can't even remember anymore. Um, but it would have been, you know, same thing, elementary, middle school aged. And I listened to George W. Bush. And, you know, believe me, I, I at the time I thought George W. Bush was greatest president of all time because it's the last one I can, or the first one I can ever remember. But uh, he was so patriotic, his response to that, that it sold me. Yeah. Absolutely sold me. And then to, then you, you know, I was even, I was young, but I was still old enough to understand what the media was doing at the time. And, you know, when the, the conspiracy theories of this being an inside job came out, it was so frustrating. It was absolutely so frustrating to hear that. So that that just drove me off the walls um, as, as just a person who was patriotic at the time. I grew up in Northeast Indiana, where uh, we're a county that has never, ever not been a red county. So I just kind of grew up that way, and it was that's when I knew that I that was the way I was always leaning. And then I got educated and and learned even more about deregulation and smaller government. And, and that made me just know that I was a Republican for sure. Okay. Yeah. Once upon a time, I was a big fan of, of George W. Not so much his dad, uh, George Herbert Walker. Both men early in their president presidency really hurt their careers. Uh, George Herbert, uh, George the first, uh, said mm -hmm. he wasn't going to raise taxes. They're going to push and I'm going to say no. And they're going to push. I'm going to say no. And they're going to push. And I'm going to say, read my lips, no new taxes. And then once he became president, they said, let's raise taxes. And he said, okay, I mean, seriously. I mean, there wasn't even a, a struggle with it. He caved almost immediately. And then, yeah. and then George W. Bush, the, the first thing he did, which just left me scratching my head, well, he did two things. One, he had the, the saying the, of uh, the compassionate conservatism. And that phrase irritated me because conservatism is compassionate. We, we don't need a modifier to say that, oh, the old conservatism is bad, but new conservatism is good. No, conservatism has always been good. Uh, then when he came into office, he created a no child left behind bill, which was fine. But instead of giving it to the Republicans to, to enact, he gave it to Ted Kennedy and the Democrats, and he essentially gave them a blank check. And it, to me, the schools are our future. And that sounds like a, a trite saying, but it's not. What our kids are learning today, they're going to take and form the future tomorrow. So and, and the left learned that long ago. Hey, that's where the future is. And the left owns our school system. Kids don't really get a chance to think independently until they leave the school system. And that, that kind of jibes with your, you, you don't become a conservatism until you, you start to think independently until you leave school. Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it's absolutely true. Um, and it's, it's even more prevalent in the larger cities, obviously. Uh, luckily, you know, I, I got a report from a middle school in Fremont here, um, just north of where I live, that 
there was a, you know, like an eighth grade uh, social studies class. I don't know if they have other than just social studies generic, whatever the class was, they did a online test of are you conservative or are you liberal in the spirit of election season. Uh, I think that it's kind of a low hanging fruit of, you know, well, you'll take this and then I'll explain to you why you're not actually a conservative. I think that's what the teacher intended on doing. Uh, two out of the 30 kids were uh, conservatives. And that's really nice to nice to see that these kids are they're actually listening to their parents' views on this a little bit more, I think, than the school's views. And, okay. And that's encouraging to see. And uh, you know, I only say this because my I have a little brother who's in eighth grade, and uh, it's quite a age discrepancy. But he, you know, he was in there talking uh, about his views. Everybody else was like, "Well." Trump, because my dad said so. Well, that's okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's not really, that's like saying I hate Trump because the media says so. That's a terrible, that's a terrible right. standpoint and a talking point. But he was saying, well, Trump is, is very pro Second Amendment. And I think that a gun in your house can help protect you. So for an eighth grade, 13, 14 year old boy to say that, that's, it's nice to hear that. Um, you yes. know, he was he was very staunchly against abortion in that discussion. He said abortion is is wrong. And this teacher says, Well, don't you think that a woman who's and this is a male teacher says, Don't you think a woman has the right to choose what to do with her own body? And he his argument, because he's heard me say this, says, Well, why am I wearing a mask then? It's my body, my choice. <laughs> okay that's a great that's a great argument kid i love it i love it because uh he's very anti-mask um you know i think he's a popular kid so the popular kids are always uh they always are gonna defy the rules a little bit and the rules state you know wear a mask but he threw that at them and he said and then he you know they said well it's not really a baby until it's born and and he's heard me say before that no no, life begins at conception. That is science. And I don't think he threw it out them like that. But my point on abortion has always been life begins at conception. That's science. You want to believe in science everywhere else, except for when it inconveniences the left. And that is very frustrating to me uh, to see the school teacher saying, well, it's not a baby until it's born. That is a topic that should not be discussed in a public school. The uh, uh, not in the middle school, at least. Yeah, the the left has certainly corrupted sciences. They've corrupted so many things. I, mm -hmm. I, I think the first I saw it was with the the global warming, which then became a climate change uh, event. Uh, Al Gore got uh, what was it, an Oscar or maybe a Nobel Prize or both for his movie. And Inconvenient truth. I forgot right. all about that movie until now. I, I had, had it repressed. <laughs> right. And, and yeah, if you go back and watch the movie, none of it came true. I mean, no. the, the climate is the same climate I've had my whole life. Some years it's warmer, some it's drier, some it's hotter, some it's colder, some it's snowier. It just, it just changes. That's what the climate does. Uh, but they, The left will stand on the shoulders of, of arguing that well, this is science because we're showing that this is going to happen. No, that's not science. That is trying to be a psychic. Yeah. You can't tell what the future is going to be. And you're right. So far, everything that they've claimed to be a scientific prediction has been 
basically nothing more than a science fiction movie. Yeah. It's, it's not true. So it, comes they, yeah. true. it doesn't come true. Yeah, they, they actually ran with the study, and I, I think it was 97% of, the, of scientists of, of all disciplines thought man had an impact on the environment. I'm like, okay, I accept that. They took that, they then distorted that to say, see, 97% of the scientists believe in global warming or they believe in climate change. Like, that, that's not what the scientists said. They, yeah, we have an impact on the environment, but I, my driveway has an impact. No, let's do it a different way. The garden I plant has an impact on the environment. The bonfire I have impacts the environment. It's, the, it's a very small microcosm. You add them together, and sure, there's an impact. But it's not changing anything planetary-wise. It's, it's more of a, yes, I'm having a bonfire here. It's, it's changing something in the atmosphere, something in the area for a finite period of time, which will then affect things for a, a longer period of time. But it's still not a huge global warming or a climate change event. But the, the left uses the, the tiniest scientific uh, discussions and just warps them badly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I hear all the time uh, from the left in the, in the liberal media that global warming is a uh, existential risk to human life. No, that's not true. It, it may, it, like you said, it does affect in the very smallest microcosms, but it doesn't. It's not an existential risk to human life. We are not going to die because I fertilized my lawn. That's not how it works. We're not going to die because we're, we're fracking. Yeah, actually, I remember back in my teen years, and I'm not even sure I had a license at this point. I think I was worried about it, that we were going to run out of gasoline by the year 2000. <laughs> And my thought was, man, I'm not even going to be able to drive a car or not be able to drive a car very long because it won't be gasoline anymore. <laughs> there's, I have no idea where all the gas is coming from, but there's more gas than we've ever had. Yep, absolutely. Well, we, um, I like how we've gotten into this. Uh, well actually, are, are we on a short time here? No, no. Okay. I want to, you touched on masking, the, the kid in school's mask. And I have a different take than almost nobody else I know has. I, I don't care if masking works or not. My, my bigger concern is I think COVID masking and the social isolation that's going with it is bad. And it's, it's bad for two people especially. It's bad for our children. I, I'm concerned they're going to have neurological development from wearing a mask all day. They're going to have impaired neurological development from masking because they're just rebreathing polluted air. Um, mm -hmm. and they're also going to have impaired neuromuscular activity or development because wearing a mask is going to decrease how active they are because they don't have enough fresh air in their lungs. Mm -hmm. uh, there, I look, if this masking keeps up, I look for our kids to be having some serious problems. Uh, then at the other end, for our adults, uh, that they're having some neurological degeneration already, rebreathing your own air is just causing that degeneration to accelerate. Uh, do I know these things? No, but they do follow the scientific principles that I've been taught and worked on my whole career. So it's logical. The, the reason we don't know that it's true for sure or absolutely sure is because nobody's masked in fresh air before. This is the first time in the history of ever we're saying, oh, you should wear a mask and not breathe fresh air. Um, I, 
I am outraged that our medical schools aren't stepping up and putting a stop to this. But they're just joining in with everybody else and saying, nope, wear a mask. Well, and I think that a lot of these medical schools have their undergraduate uh, sections of the schools that are very heavily liberal, uh, kind of silencing some of that as well. I think that there's no way in the world that a doctor who believes what you are saying is going to get a platform to speak on a high level like CNN, MSNBC, Fox News. They're never going to get that opportunity to throw that idea out there. It's only the ones who will agree with the higher ups of their organizations. So that's it's it's all corrupt from the inside and never going to make it. Your your opinion that you just threw out there, your um, potential fact. I mean, obviously we don't know. I, I agree with you because I know that you're smarter in the medical side of things than I am, but uh, you're just never going to be able to get that through to this, uh, to, to the, the masses unless you well, somehow get it, a following gonna, of billions. Yeah, no, it'll come out eventually if I'm right, because we're going to see damaged kids. We, the damaged adults, I think people will ignore because people really don't care about our elderly population. But the damaged kids, is that starting to come out? That is going to gain attention, and they're going to to look how we can fix that. Like, yeah, just stop making them wear masks. But I, I mean, the the first step of of herd immunity is to get all of the young and unvulnerable healthy, right? And yes, I do agree that grandma and grandpa need to stay inside during that. We should have been doing that all along. We should have never shut the schools down. Well, if you and, have a teacher who's 65 years old and diabetic or or has an underlying health issue, yeah, they probably need to stay home. Yeah. And the kids can get all sick and let it run its course, and then it's done. Yeah. And, I, and I would even leave it up to the grandma and grandpa. Do you want to live a, a lonely life and be protected, or do you want to say, screw it, I'm going to live a, a life around my family and friends, and if I die, I die? Yeah. I, I had to have this conversation with my grandmother. She would have been May or June where she had yet to come out of her house since March, literally not come out of her house. I got her mail for her. I mowed for her. Uh, I brought her groceries, all of that. Yeah. didn't leave her house. I said, hey, look, if you die in your house, I'll never know. Yeah. But you're, you're hiding from death just waiting to die inside your house. It's yeah. terrible. So, so what, what did grandma do? Well, she... Comes outside, puts her mask on, does her, she gets her own mail, and she does her own lawn care now because I played it off as I was too busy to mow her lawn. I said, You need to get out and do something. You need some exercise. Walk your dog. You can walk your dog and wear a mask. It's okay. Now she does, but she's still very, very anti uh, COVID 19. Like she is very scared of it. And the media has done a great, healthy person. Yep, the media has done a great job of scaring everybody. Yes, and that's, I, I really, at one point, I got to the point where I thought about sabotaging her cable um, inlet to her house because she sat in her living room and watched CNN all oh, day man. long. And be I, afraid, be said, afraid, be afraid. Yes, you are, you are not healthy doing that. I said, even if and you that, were watching and- Fox News, um, probably the most mainstream conservative network and even then it's that's kind of a suspect statement but even if you're watching fox news there's nothing good about watching national news all day every day 
locked in your house. And then there's the commercials, which are just as bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I actually watch almost no TV. I watch almost no news. I, I get all my television and news from the internet. So, for instance, I will watch, I don't know, uh, Blue Blood. So, Blue Blood has been out in a while. So, I'll get some commercials on CBS, but it's really much less than you get on a normal television station through the week. Um, when I watch a football game, I, I almost can't watch one anymore. Or same with baseball. They're just full of commercials. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the commercials are all, be afraid. We're there to, with you to help you in your fear. Like, oh, my God, this is terrible. Yes, my, uh, my basement man cave setup where I am recording right now is actually the ultimate setup for me where I have my computer down here. I have two TVs, and neither one of them has the volume above zero ever. Really ever. I will watch a football game and I on both channels. Or on both TVs. I will watch a football game. I'll watch baseball games on both TVs, volume down. I'll be on my computer. And when there's a commercial, I just get back either look at the other TV or I I get on my computer. I will not be force fed any audio from anything anymore. I am now officially choosing my own uh, news. I'm choosing my own facts that i that i watch or listen to or opinions i should say not facts facts are facts i choose which facts i like and Um, and and there's a scary thought there with google and youtube and twitter and facebook and lord knows what else controlling what they'll allow you to listen to yes yes Uh, my my social media platform has diminished i use my wife's facebook for uh I, I have to watch what I say on there. I'm now banned from her commenting on stuff anymore because I get into trouble. But um, I use that to sell boats on Facebook Marketplace. That's been, and it's been a very good tool, but that's what I use her Facebook for. And then I occasionally scroll through to see what some of our family is doing now that COVID has occurred and we don't see them. Uh, so yeah. that's that's been all that I have done with social media lately. It's so demoralizing. To see, um, you know, especially on Twitter, when you look at a post that said there's nothing being stated that's not correct, you know, there'll be an opinion-based statement. Donald Trump posted on Twitter that he believes he will win this election. This was Wednesday morning, I believe. We will win this election. Um, this The system is working against us or something along those lines. And then it was blurred out as by Twitter as as fake or, or whatever you want to call it, uh, misleading information. Well, what was his opinion? Why is right. opinion misleading information? Why isn't my opinion misleading information? I posted plenty of things that have never been censored. Why are you censoring the most powerful man in the, in the world? Yeah, it's it's <laughs> scary. If they can do that to the president, they can do it to anybody, and they're going to start doing it to everybody. Yeah, there's a, a new social media platform called Parler. I'm not sure if you've heard of them. Uh, I have a heard of, of Parler. My, my complaint with Parler is they want my cell phone number. And I'm not, I'm not comfortable giving out my cell phone number to anybody. <laughs> so. I have, a, uh, I have a, cell, uh, a SMS messaging number through work. That's what I use for all of uh, my accounts that I sign up for in S- for any that they where they need my cell phone. I just put that in there because I don't use it at all. 
Uh, oh. It is literally used absolutely zero times. You could make a, a uh, Google Voice count, I believe, where you can have a um, fake number. And I've used that in the past to sign up for stuff. But, yeah, I do not put my cell phone number out there as as well. Okay. I'm not comfortable with that. I don't think that big government needs to know everyone's cell phone number or information, although they'll find it anyway. Right, so. right. I, I mean, I can't protect myself from everybody, but I'll protect myself as much as I can. Yeah, absolutely. So just some topics that, I mean, we haven't even scratched the surface yet of the things that um, I'd like to talk about and get your opinions on. And uh, this is, Obviously, you're my first guest on this show, but I want to get myself in uh, somebody that I can agree with mostly before I start bringing people on that I'm going to have to debate staunchly. Uh, that's why I, I want to bring you on. You are going to be the easy guy. I don't think that I'll have to agree with you a lot. So, um, I, I, yeah, I don't know that we agree on a lot because TJ, we haven't talked what it, since Dan graduated. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I mean, at the wedding, I think, in passing, but that's about it. So, yeah, okay. not a whole lot, um, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, I'm not going to ever disagree with you on anything pre-Clinton because I wasn't oh, born okay. yet. So <laughs> it's really hard for me. The facts that I find on anything uh, from the Internet before Clinton are very difficult for me to believe because I wasn't alive. So it's hard for me to form an opinion too strongly on, on stuff 1993 and, and before. And even then, I mean, you're probably talking late nineties before I really even comprehended anything that was going on. Okay. So um, we'll, we'll try to keep things current here. Well, and that's, uh, that's kind of the, the premise of the show is current events and how they're affecting our lives. So the Biden but, economy is, but, but let me back up just a minute to that. Okay. I, I think an interesting thing about having an old guy on for starters, and I'm the old guy, the, 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 Shakespeare said it in The Tempest, the past is prologue or the, the past is predictive of our present and, under, and of the future. So having, having some insights in what the past happened in the past helps shape where we're at now. So really people my age should take a more active investment in social media and having these discussions because we know how it used to be um mm -hmm. and you know how it used to be but we have like a generation or two head start on you but go ahead yeah. you were you were um, saying so that actually transitions well into um the biden economy according to conservatives is expected to be poor based on the fact that we assume his policies will be largely similar to um old barry o's um, uh, policies from 2008 through 2016. And what scares me about that is a lot of people are saying, well, you know, we're just going to have to buckle down. And as individuals, yeah, I think we can do that. I think that you and I can say, you know, if times aren't good, then we're going to have to go out to eat less. Uh, you know, you might not be able to take a, va a vacation here or there. You may have to sacrifice some of the the great things that you were able to do under the Trump administration because of the fact that the economy was thriving. Um, the way I am paid is a lot of my, my annual salary is commission-based on selling boats. Well, the recreational side of business is going to be hit by a poor economy heavily. So if I lose the, the commission side of my pay, then 
I'm actually losing money. Not only am I going to need to save money, but I'm losing money also. So as individual people, I think we can buckle down, but small businesses can't buckle down, in my opinion. Um, this $15 uh, minimum wage, federal minimum wage increase that, that the left is constantly proposing, that will kill many small businesses. Um, I know $15 doesn't seem like a lot, but there's a lot of people that we employ that aren't uh, necessarily talented people. So they aren't deserving of $15 wage. And in Indiana, I don't, I, don't, I guess, uh, I assume that every minimum wage is the federal government, you know, has their minimum wage and then the states can go higher than that. Indiana is a $7.25, which I believe to still be the federal minimum wage. Go over double that, it scares me as a family member of the small business that I work for. What are we going to do with the handful of minimum wage employees we have now? We're not going to pay them $15 an hour to pump gas in the summertime, these high school kids. Uh, right. The, 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 like that. The, 15, the $15 an hour minimum wage, whether, whether small businesses can survive or not, I think the worst thing it's going to do, it's going to kill uh, jobs for kids. Uh, you look, and I, I'm going to go to the high school kid who's looking to pump gas so he can buy a pair of jeans or take a girl out on a date. That, that inexpensive job is not going to be there for him. He is not going to have that opportunity to learn how to become a good employee, to learn how to punch a clock, to learn how to say yes, sir, and no, sir, learn how to fill an order, learn all the basic skills you need to have that and that also teaches you. I do not want to be a nine to five you know, hourly employee. I want to. I want more from my life. But that whole experience is going to be denied to. Well, it's already being denied to generations of kids. Uh, it's only going to get worse. Yeah, and so the way I liken it to in my scenario is we sell gas on the lake for three ninety nine a gallon. Uh, our gas is actually non ethanol fuel. So there's no corn, there's there's no uh, biological component to this. This is all straight up, <laughs> you know, natural right. fossil fuels getting purified and refined and all of that. And it's at $3.99. Now, obviously we have higher insurances because our gas pumps are four feet off of a lake. So there's, there's insurances to cover um, leakages and things like that that could happen. But when Obama was in office, we saw gas prices upwards of six fifty a gallon on the lake, and you saw it at four dollars a gallon on the street. And when the gas is that expensive, I know that gas doesn't isn't the end all be all of how well our economy is doing, or the indicator of how well our economy is doing, but it definitely makes a huge difference for people. If you're thinking about driving your family to Florida to go to um, to to Disney in Florida on a vacation. If the gas is going to be $4 a gallon as opposed to the $2 a gallon, you literally just spent twice as much. Yeah. Just like that to go uh, uh, drive down to Florida. And that, that semi truck hauling food in and out of your city, hauling goods in and out of your city, it's hauling it on gasoline. That yeah. every few bucks for your gas means that all has to get added on to the cost of whatever you're buying. Yeah. And think that $15 an hour doesn't affect, uh, doesn't affect you. It only makes your life better is absolutely ignorant because Walmart 
yes, they, they start people off at $12 an hour is what they say now. But have you noticed that things are getting more expensive now? I mean, a pack of gum is $2.15 rather than a dollar that it used to be 15 years ago. Things have doubled no, I, in price. I've definitely seen prices going up, especially this past summer. I've seen prices going up, I suspect, secondary to the masking and social isolation regs that it just costs more to get goods on a shelf. And so that means goods cost more. Mm -hmm. the, the, you know that Walmart won't just say, well, we're going we're gonna to just cut down 40% of our labor costs and get rid of 40% of our people. They're going to say, that's fine. We'll pay everybody $15 an hour. But they're, when their bottom line shows up and they, they know they're going to lose a bunch of money, they're not going to just be okay with that. They're not going to go from making billions to millions they're going to go from making billions to staying there by raising the prices on the American people. Right. Uh, the gas prices, the minimum wage, those two things do bring the economy down when they go up. Uh, that's what the ex expectation is with the Biden economy. Uh, luckily, I don't think that any of that can get passed for the next two years if Biden is, uh, is indeed elected. Uh, it seems as though that the Republicans will contain. Uh, or maintain control of the Senate, and they've actually put themselves in really good position for the House two years down the road um, by gaining some seats there as well. But uh, depends if you have faith that we'll have another honest election. <laughs> and, and that faith is gone by the wayside. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first election where I have said, "Nope, that's something's up here," and I don't care. I, I don't care that we're fighting. You know, I agree. We need to fight this fight. I think Trump needs to concede at some point here soon. And it's not because he lost fairly. It's because he can't win in this, this rigged uh, country that we have right now in this, this election system. I think that we do need I, I, to fight the fight for uh, I don't future think he elections. Should he should concede until the Supreme Court tells him to. Uh, um, and, that's, and that's fair. The, uh, you keep fighting. And it, 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 I'd had this discussion earlier today. I don't. I can see two fights in this. One is fighting for illegal votes, and the Supreme Court can have a real ruling on that one way or the other. The other fight, and I'm and I'm not sure what the Supreme Court's take on it would be, is just flat out treason. Uh, that a large group of people, primarily in the Democratic Party, have have basically cheated in the election to the point that they are attacking our country. That's a treasonous act. Mm -hmm. will, will the Supreme Court look at that as well? The Supreme Court generally tries to be like, you know, cutting the baby in half. They want to be right in the middle of the road without really messing up the waters. But th we're in a, we're really in a terrible, terrible place. And it's up to uh, nine people on the court to save us. We will see yep. if they do. And that's kind of what I mean. I think the fight is more for the fair election side. Uh, yep. That say Joe Biden didn't fairly or didn't actually win this election. I don't know if there's going to be enough to really overturn that, and I think that it might be really bad for this country if they were to overturn it because of the social unrest. And I've kind of gotten tired of the social unrest. Screw them! I do not care about the social unrest. I, okay. So well, back back in the day, sure. Nixon started this all off. He Back in 1960, I think, 
He lost to Kennedy, but he probably lost to Kennedy because the Chicago political machinery cheated. Nixon didn't want to hurt the country, so he just let it go. And you'd think the Democrats would be nicer about it. No, when Nixon actually won, they hounded him until he walked away. He resigned from office. And, mm -hmm. and so Nixon started a, just a, a whole mindset of surrender in the Republican Party. We've been surrendering for years. Um, I am happy we have a fighter. I am happy that he fights even if we're going to lose. And, and I, this whole, the, the country will be in unrest. The country's been unre in unrest for four years because Trump won the first time. I, I'm not going to reward the left for, for fighting nonstop and go, okay, I'll get it, give in to you now. Oh, no, we're fighting. All right. Well, that's a fair take. I, 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 I appreciate that take. Uh, that definitely makes you more of a fighter than I am. I guess maybe I'm just getting too worn out of listening to the the left and the liberal media. Yeah. But um, you know, maybe that that'll inspire a little more rage and <laughs> fire in my, you know in my heart. There, I I don't know. It's uh, it's just so it's so exhausting to have to fight all the time for what is very factually and and historically the best presidency we've had ever. right i mean right. It, it's it's unreal how that's so against what the liberal media and the left are are viewing this as it's this has very obviously been the best economy that america has ever seen and that's going back as far as as ever and and reagan had a great economy it's even surpassing Reagan's numbers. Now, I yeah, know it, supply and interesting. inflation has to uh, incur there a little bit. You have, I, I don't know what the back then numbers versus current numbers really show, but the growth of this economy is what I am seeing. It's percentage of growth that, that shows me that this is the best economy ever. Yeah. Interesting that both Reagan and Trump were big free market guys and big anti-communist guys. And they gave us the best economies of their presidencies. And uh, George H.W. Bush destroyed Trump's uh, legacy. Uh, that was my fear all along, that Trump would give us somebody who wouldn't carry his legacy on. I mean, let me give you a hope. When Romney lost to Obama, whatever that was, eight years ago, I was dejected. The good thing about Romney's loss is it gave us Trump. Should yeah. Trump lose, it could mean we get a, a groundswell of, of conservative activism, conservative anger that just won't tolerate this happening. I'm not sure what our, what our long suit is because we're not people who will march in the streets and burn down buildings and, and beat people up as the left has been doing all summer. But I, I really expect an angry uprising Go, coming out of nowhere and making something happen should uh, uh, President Trump lose. Right. I, you, you told me that take earlier in uh, the pre-show, and that might be the most infectious take I've ever heard on the Romney loss for me. I may just ride that <laughs> hot take out forever because that I've never thought of that. Yeah. Uh, you said that. Is if Romney wins, and 
Romney probably wins again because he was a he was a good politician. And I don't mean that as a compliment. And I say that a lot where I think Joe yep. Biden is a good politician. And I, that's not a compliment. Yep. Trump's uh, a terrible politician. I agree. And that is a compliment. <laughs> that yep. is a, that's been a huge po- uh, compliment. But if if Biden or if uh, Obama loses to Romney, we get eight years of Romney and we get kind of the same swampy-esque uh, yep. politician in there. And yeah, it probably would have been okay for policy. Uh, you know, we would have been, as Republicans, we'd have been fine with that. We never would have seen what this country really could do economically, especially because Trump only ran, he ran on the platform of drain the swamp and, and just overthrow what the liberals have, have done to this country. And it was because of eight years of Obama that he did that. And he said that openly. He said, I only ran because of how poor you guys were doing, Biden. And that was in a debate. And now we're 47 years in with Joe Biden. And now that's that's where it's looking. We're going to get another four years of if he if he survives that long Um, on this show. I'll always I'll never assume that he's going to uh, be deceased before his four year term. I I never want to wish that on anybody. And I know that a lot of people have that take of, well, Kamala Harris is going to be our president before the next election. And it, it might be true. It might not be, but I'm never going to just try to talk that into submit. That's not going to be something that I want to discuss in this show no. ever. I don't want to wish uh, death on anybody. And, and I would rather have Joe Biden than Kamala Harris, if I'm being honest. Um, I'm still pulling for Trump. So I'll worry about Biden Harris, <laughs> whatever that that's an, an eventuality I have to accept. But Bruce, I will tell you that if, if that, if that happens, if Biden is elected and and completely inaugurated and everything, I will give him a chance. I'm not going to be the guy that agrees with him on anything. I can almost guarantee that. But I'm going to be the, the guy who gives him a chance for one reason, one reason only. Um, I, I liken myself to be a better person than most liberals. So the liberals have not given Trump a chance at all. And if I just immediately bash Biden all the time throughout his entire presidency, that makes me a worse person than than the the liberals that have done that to Trump this entire time. And I, it's probably too soft of a take, but I well, I just I don't want to be that guy. There, there's not many things I've disagreed with Trump on, but I think his his big mistake was the the COVID nineteen response. Uh, back when this all hit last spring, we were supposed to mask and socially isolate to flatten the curve. And I went, okay, two weeks, four weeks, give the hospitals time to gear up, get our medical supplies time to gear up. I can see that happening. No big deal. Well, two to four weeks in, they came out with a a new reg that said, oh no, we're going to do this for two months, two more months. At that point, I went, President Trump, you're screwed. That is not what we should be doing. So even though Trump was my guy, I absolutely disagreed with him on the COVID-19 response. I, I think Fauci no. Fa- and the CDC are part of the swamp that, that caught Trump at his weak spot. I think Trump's a germaphobe. And when it was about germs, he, he just got scared and, and listened to them when his gut told him not to. And I think it was also an election year and he didn't want to give the left a body count. Uh, so he's like, okay, we'll be as safe as we have to. And then he just saw how that masking social isolation and that, that fear porn of COVID 
just really wrecked our country uh, over, the, over the summer. And he's been trying to fix that. But again, it's an election season and his hands were somewhat tied. Um, he, he blinked at a very important time when he shouldn't have. But um, so even though I like Trump, he makes mistakes. Even though I don't like Biden, he might, he might do something well and I will give him credit for it. But yep. my, my hopes are low. Uh, obviously, we don't want Biden to fail, because then that means we all fail as a country. We want him to. We really want to make sure that the system stays as it is. Hacking the Supreme Court is not a good thing for this country, because there's checks and balances, and there are checks and balances in place currently. Why do we need to add more people to the Supreme Court to get rid of those checks and balances? I think that's exactly what it is. And I think everybody knows that. He wants to, instead of being able to fairly get the Supreme Court in the Democrats or the Democrat side, he wants to just change how, fundamentally change how things are in this country. And that's not going to work. Uh, that's something that people will revolt about. Um, you know, trying to make Puerto Rico a state so that you can get more electoral votes uh, from a Democratic or, or a liberal territory is not how this country was set up. And I, I know that we, we've added states along the way, but that's not the way you do it. And I think that that's what a lot of the right is having issues with. I'm having issues with it. I don't agree with any of that. Packing the Supreme Court is absolutely a terrible idea. We've been doing it this way for so long, and it's been working. We're still the best country in the world, but that's how Joe Biden feels on that. But again, I just, I don't want him to fail because I don't want this country to fail. Well, let, any stretch of the imagination. Let's, let's plant that sentence for a bit. The best country in the world. There's a clip that was on the internet for a while. It was from some movie that had Jeff Daniels in it. And the question came up about why America's the best country in the world. And, and Jeff Daniel just slams all the answers like, yeah, we're not about freedom. We're not about anything. America's not the best country in the world. And my thought watching this clip was, well, wait a minute. We've had more immigrants come to this country every year for, since they've been counting immigrants coming to our country. Mm -hmm. You know why we're the best country in the world? Because the world has voted. Every year they say the United States is the best place to be. That's where we want to go. Yes, mm -hmm. America is the best place in the world because the world says so. I agree completely. If if America wasn't the best country in the world, why would refugees come here? Right. Why would anybody want to move out of their their crap hole of a country? And I, you know, I don't want to go with um, Trump's statement. I've heard him say these these third world countries s holes. And they are. They, he's not wrong in saying that. Yep. It's not the people that live there. It's not their fault. It's the yep. people that, that lead their countries because there's not a lot of democracy in this world. America has that democracy. At least they did up until uh, November 2020. They had what we felt was a pretty good democracy where you could vote for what you thought was the best thing for this country. And yeah, you're you're absolutely right. If if America's not the best country in the world, why are so many immigrants coming to this country every single day? Yeah. yeah that that's crazy. Um 
I know I don't I don't exactly know your reference, but I know that there are people out there that live in this country and don't think that this is the best country in the world. And if they don't think that, they really need to just leave. Go find the best country in the world. (laughs) Why wouldn't you want that? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) If you think, and and I get it, you might not be able to afford to do that. It's, I don't drive the best vehicle in the world, but I get the best vehicle that I can afford. And I always want to improve myself. Why wouldn't you want to improve yourself? Go find the best country in the world. Like you said, that's absolutely a correct take. Uh, Biden mask mandates are incoming. And I don't know how he's going to do this. It it sounds like a begging and pleading uh, approach is what he's going to do. He's going to go to the governors. Uh, I don't think there's very many states out there that don't have mask mandates as it is. Now he wants to put fines with it. Yeah, they... That's that's where, you know, if you're going to find somebody, it has to be a law. And for it to be a law, it needs to go through... Uh, it needs to go through the proper procedures here. So that's where I've had an issue in Indiana with our governor, who's a Republican, who put this mask mandate out and said that it'll be a class B misdemeanor if you are not wearing your mask. Okay, well, one, that's illegal. You can't, for it to be a misdemeanor, it has to be a law. And that is not how laws work. You don't get to just mandate a law into place. So it needs to go through state assembly for that. And, and even so, so going to counties for that. Are people being fined? No, not, not to my knowledge. Yeah, there's when when uh, in Michigan when uh, Gretchen Whitmer came up with the fine concept, all of a sudden everybody started wearing a mask. Uh, when I go out, there might be one or two people not wearing a mask in public anymore. Do you wear a mask uh, majority of the time or all of the time? Who, me? No, I don't wear a mask. I I wear a mask at work. I I acknowledge that work can dictate how I dress. You don't have have certain liberties in school and in your... Right, right. But but in the real world, as I said, I think wearing a mask is bad for your health. I'm not wearing a mask. It's bad for my health. Uh, But you go to Walmart, Meijer, grocery shopping... Um, Myers, Kroger's, and Horrocks. Well, Horrocks is a farmer's market here in Lansing, and those three places have been tolerant of me so far. Uh, Bell Tire and the Ford dealership uh, told me I had to wear a mask and uh, basically kicked me outside. I, I had similar experiences at Meyer. Um, I have been able to, I wear it in, and then I take it off. Yeah, nope. And it's only because I don't want the greeter that, you know, the 725 an hour guy to tell me what I should be doing with my life and my health. Yeah, for, um, and I don't even want that argument with them. For, for the most part, they're just not making eye contact with me when I walk in. I walk in, yeah. they avert their eyes. I'm like, okay, you're leaving me alone. I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm not, and I'm definitely not the guy who's, you know, going right up to somebody and talking to them. I do believe in the social distancing. Right. I, the, it, it's interesting that I do the, the people that don't wear masks obviously will come up and, and, and engage in conversation. They are happy to be near somebody else without a mask. And we realize we're not letting fear dictate us. But I even have non-mask mask wearers walk up to me and they'll get within inside my personal space and they'll be like, good for you. I wish I could not wear a mask. And it's like, you know, there is, there is support out there for the non-mask wearers, even by the people that 
uh, out of fear of the government are wearing a mask. They're not afraid of COVID. They're afraid of the government. Right. And honestly, I mean, I do, I kind of hope that this social distancing thing uh, really takes off for the rest of time where uh, people will stay out of my six foot bubble. (laughs) 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 You wouldn't, you wouldn't believe that even as a boat salesman, you know, I am always talking to people uh, and you're sitting in a boat and somebody will come up and stand one foot away from me. And a lot of the people that come into our store, we do not, we do not mandate it in our store. If a customer asks us to wear one, I will put it on, but I've never had a customer ask me to wear one. Um, I try to keep my distance from them. But I will even have older gentlemen just stand two feet away from me or less and talk to me and I will continue to back up. And I've done this for five (laughs) years now. I don't want to smell your breath and they will just continue to follow me. I've been chased around a store entirely just trying to keep away from people. And it, it, it drives me nuts. As essentially a lifelong physical therapist, I've been, I've been within two feet of my patients my whole career. I'm used to being within inches of people and talking. So that's just my life. Yeah. I I think it's a, uh, I think it might be a generational thing too. I think that is, you know, obviously like shaking hands and looking somebody in the eye and being close to them was a, was a gentlemanly thing to do. And I'm fine with shaking hands and looking somebody in the eye, but I don't think that I should have to have my elbow on your stomach as I'm shaking your hand. (laughs) Like that's the, that's the thing that I get from people. And it's like, Okay, I I want to have a little bit of distance, not because of COVID, <laughs> but because I just don't want to be this close to you. I like my personal. Don't space. want to see the pores on your nose that well. That's that's just how I am. Uh, but yeah, the mask mandates I think are just going to be a nightmare, or we are going to be fighting that for a long time. There's no if if Biden is elected and he's able to somehow a nationwide. Oh, no. Fine we're, we're, we're going to have some magic BS vaccine that because Biden is going to want to be a hero and they really realize how this is. You can't have a panic forever. Uh, this um, the Alinsky rules. If you ride something too long, it'll get boring and people will get, quit listening. I think the Democrats know this. They're using it right now. They're using fear porn as much as they can. Love that term. <laughs> should should Biden win, he's going to come through as a hero who came up with some magic BS vaccine that protects everybody from the worst of COVID. But still, if you're in fragile health, you should be safe. I'm like, yeah, you're just giving us a sugar pill and calling it a vaccine. <laughs> well, this, I, is what, this is what drives me nuts about the vaccine. I mean, you saw the Pfizer news today yeah. uh, where we're, we're now within approval range of, of um, effectiveness. So right. that's, that's good news. It is really good news. Yep. And it won't probably get rolled out. I, I can't imagine it gets rolled out before January 20th. And everybody keeps saying, you know, and you heard it in the vice president uh, debate, which I assume you tuned into. Or at least I, caught I, glip, glips I, I, of it. No, I'm, I'm certainly aware of it. I, I rarely yeah. watch uh, these events. I read, I read about them afterwards. Okay. Well, for the vice president elect or the media's vice president elect right now, Kamala Harris to say, if, if Donald Trump is telling me to take a vaccine, I'm not going to take it. 
Yeah. Oh, this vaccine, what are they going to just start over? <laughs> I mean, that's what, that's what drives me nuts is this vaccine's not being developed by Donald Trump. If, if Donald Trump made a vaccine and told me to take it, I would not take it. I agree with that. I would not take a vaccine that Donald Trump developed and personally developed. He's not a scientist. He's not a pharmaceutical uh, genius by any stretch of the imagination. So I would not take that vaccine. Well, he this is, is, is just putting funding there for these organizations who are fully capable of making this vaccine. He's putting the funding there for them to do it at a higher speed. Still right. going this through the same processes. Yeah, it's you'd like the term fear porn. It's also hate porn. You know, we hate Donald Trump. So mm -hmm. no matter what he did, we hate and don't trust. And they know it's all just political hyperbole, but they're just going to say that until they take office and now it's their vaccine and then yeah. they'll give it out. Um, Absolutely. It's not any, the vaccine's formula has not changed and right. it will not change regardless of who's standing on the podium on January 20th. There's no, there's no way that that'll change. The only thing that would change, and it would be political suicide, is if Joe Biden said, start over. Yeah. This was tied to Donald Trump. We don't want it tied to Donald Trump. Start over. And that would be absolutely political suicide. So it's not going to happen. It, the, it, the it, would only be political it would only be political suicide if the media attacked him for it. The media True. is not going to attack Joe Biden. No, no. There, there's no way ever that he will. Um, so January 21st, you'll be able to get in line for your vaccine so long as Joe Biden <laughs> is president. I guarantee it. I, there's Is it kind of odd that Pfizer came out with this statement after uh, the media has declared Joe Biden the the president-elect? I mean, that's it seems coincidental Maybe. to me. I don't know right. why they would be very anti-Trump considering the funding that he has given from the federal government to get this vaccine uh, underway, but uh, shutdowns and school closings, I think they are absolutely stealing from our lives here. I'm a high school baseball coach, and I just watched two seniors not get to play baseball for their senior year in high school. It's an outdoor sport. You could have done certain precautions. COVID's not any less prevalent now than it was in March and April. It's actually probably more prevalent now than it was then. And we we closed the schools down. We made sure no, no seniors could have their senior year in high school, colleges, same thing. And these are this is actually things that affect these kids. Um, being a high school baseball coach, I got to see the studies that the Indiana High School Athletics Association rolled out from the National Federation of High Schools, uh, the governing body for athletics in the country. And in, in high school age kids and middle school age kids, depression rates absolutely soared because they weren't yeah. able to see their kids. This is these shutdowns. And, and I know that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are going to try this in office is going to shut the schools down at the, in, in any way possible. And what that, what that's going to do is absolutely ruin the mental health of our students. And I'm not a huge guy who, I've never been a guy who says, well, mental health is a is the number one priority of, of youth. I, I don't believe that, but I think it does factor into um, a lot of these kids. I mean, not being able to see their, their friends makes them unhappy. Right. And there's so many kids. You think of how many kids in these Democrat cities 
uh, New York City, Chicago, Detroit, Los Angeles, these inner cities where they might not have a very good home life. Now they're at home all the time. So sometimes their teachers, whether they like school or not, their teachers are their their most positive figures in their life. I'm going to take that depression concept. I think the masking social isolation is responsible for all the rioting we've had over the summer. Mm-hmm. That, that the more black and white people have been isolated from each other, the more anger and distrust that has been created and is just being generated. The way you resolve problems between the races isn't to separate them. It's you rub elbows, you have a cup of coffee together, you have a beer together, you talk sports, you talk family, you talk work. None of that's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's yet, yet another problem being created by masking social isolation. But yep. it's, it's a problem the Democrats like, so they're feeding it. Yep, and, absolutely. And, it, and I think it's affecting more, and my point there was that it's affecting more Democrat or liberal cities than it is Republican cities. Oh, Republicans yeah. believe in the nuclear family, right. believe in, in the, the mom and the father being supportive of, of the child or the children. And in these Democrat cities, and I'm not saying this is a race thing, I'm saying there's a lot in inner cities, there's a lot of single parent homes. And that single parent might not be a very good parent. And now the, the kid has nowhere to run to. So I think that it's affecting these kids more than than what the Democrats believe. And this has kind of been the, the Democrats' uh, philosophy and their way of doing things forever. They, they have buried the lower class just so that they can promise to help the lower class more and more. Continue yeah. to bury them and say, here's what I'm going to do to make things better. And then they vote for them and then they bury them some more. And then the next election cycle, well, we're going to do this to fix all of this. And these are these are uneducated areas of the country that have these issues. So they just don't see it. And that's unfortunate. Uh, it's unfortunate for this country. Yeah, I'm. And I don't know that it's uneducated. I think it's just easy. It's easy to take that government handout. Uh, the, the, the father of, of a, a wife and kid, he can work his tail off to try to take care of his family, or he can walk away and the government will take care of him. They might even take care of him better than he can. Uh, the mother knows the same thing. If I have two or three kids from two or three different dads, I don't have to have a husband in here who's going to rule my life. I just have the government handing me a check. Uh, it's, it's, a, a, it's just too easy to have that money handed to you, and it's, it's just destroyed uh, that generation of people. They, just, they, they can't climb out of the hole that they're trapped in. Absolutely. For, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run back and do a plug on, on me. The, the book that I wrote, Father John, A Life in Season, that sounds like it's a religious book, but it's really a, a political, cultural story. Uh, really talking much about what we have talked about today. Uh, okay. The, the, uh, uh, I have the not Catholic, read it. That's, I is it only digital? Uh, it's only digital. Uh, okay. and that, actually, it's kind of a good thing because I, I kept trying to put it out in Barnes & Noble, and I couldn't figure out how to get the cover to work. Because I have so I paid for some great artwork for the cover, and uh, as it turns out, Amazon is where virtually all of my sales are coming from. 
So instead of, I, I got lucky. I missed that. I dodged that bullet. Um, so I will, I just recently decided, okay, let's go back to Amazon and create a cover on Amazon, which might be easier. And then I can get it out in hardcover or in, okay. in, in dead tree edition. But yeah, I, okay. and, I, and I wrote the book kind of as a protest against my Catholic church. I'm a staunch Catholic. And my Catholic church is a, so, has a social justice warrior mentality. They're like, they, they won't say this out loud because they're supposed to be pro-life. And they are pro-life, but they are, they are pro-liberal. They are absolutely pro-liberal. And I will say that just because you are a liberal doesn't mean you have to believe in pro-choice. Okay. Anybody, any liberals out there listening, pro-choice is not a, uh, that is not a partisan issue. It is a personal issue. And being pro-life is literally that, being pro-life of babies. You know, why would you be against the life of babies? That's unborn babies. That's, that's un, I can't, it's a hard topic for me to discuss because I can't even wrap my mind around the other side of the argument. Um, I, I under well, actually, and don't want to get get too far down this rabbit hole. I think being pro-choice is very important, but you have to make good choices. If if we're not allowed to choose and make good choices, then we're not being moral at all. If we're just trapped in the cage and we can't be immoral or moral to anybody, we're just in that cage. We're not developing ourselves. We have to be out in the world and make choices. I am very pro-choice. Make good choices. <laughs> well, all right. This, uh, this may be a quick topic here. Where in the heck is Fauci with all these Biden celebrations? Uh, I saw this on Parler this morning um, just because that's the feed that I have now been going to. But um, I saw, I can't remember who tweeted it. Uh, he was a blue checkmark guy. So, you know, he was a, uh, important Democrat, more than likely, and he had posted a celebration photo in front of the White House. How great that was! Celebrating the media announcing that Joe Biden is the president-elect, and then ten hours later, actually, I saw this on Dave. It was Dave Portnoy's. It was Dave Portnoy's video. He's a, a president of Barstool Sports. I don't know if you know Dave Portnoy. Um, he is pro Trump guy, but so he showed this and he says approximately 10 hours later, he shows a picture of the Notre Dame uh, football game after they beat Clemson storming the field and says awful bad timing for this with all of the, uh, COVID cases going up. And it was literally about the exact same size of crowd in one grouping. <laughs> he was commending the one thing and and absolutely denouncing the other, but they were the exact same thing, a large grouping of people. And, and in the pictures, you can tell that masks aren't always being worn by these people. There's, there's so much hypocrisy there. Fauci hasn't come out on anything. And I don't think you'll hear from Fauci until after January 20th. Yeah. Fauci is part of those, the swamp. He is on the left side. He is doing things to hurt Trump. He's been in on the con for, since the very beginning. So when his side's doing something that goes against the rules, he's ignoring it. When the other side does anything or when even somebody neutral does anything that breaks his rules, he's going to point it out. Now, it, people have heard me say this all summer is 
COVID is a is bad. It is a very bad thing unless you are um, unless you are protesting or rioting for social injustice, or, pro, or uh, celebrating Joe Biden's uh, media victory. So it's, it's bad to be in a group unless you're doing one of those two things. Because never once have I heard Fauci go out and denounce these people that are gathering in in groups of of thousands to uh, protest during a Black Lives Matter, uh, what you'd call a peaceful protest and or riot. Yeah, he, this is not an honorable man uh, or somebody that we should even give any import to what he says. He, he's just playing us. Yep. And the media is absolutely following that play. Yep, they're, they're in on the con. So in your opinion, when does this pandemic end? Uh, the that's it's an interesting one because, as I said, you know, by Alinsky rules, if you keep things going too long, you lose everybody's interest. So, at some point, the left is going to have to let this go before people quit caring about it. But they're going to want to keep it on a back burner, they're going to want to pull it out anytime they can. Uh, I really expect it to be gone three months or less into Biden's uh, career should he win. Should Trump win, it'll be gone by the end of the year. They'll have to create a new platform. Trump, uh, if Trump was to win, they'll have to, they'll have to s- start spewing a new platform for the Democratic Party to run on because obviously orange man bad didn't work uh, for the left if Trump ends up winning. Oh, yeah. Which is the, the platform they ran on this year. Yeah, nothing they did worked except cheating the vote. They, they, yeah. they, the, the media hid all of Trump's successes. They attacked him mercilessly for anything he, he might have done wrong. The, uh, they gave him no credit whatsoever. Just hounded him for four years. They tried to come up with some impeachment scam. And when um, it was all said and done, the only way they beat Trump is by cheating to win, and that's that's just terrible. Yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more. There, it's uh, it is kind of funny how I saw on I don't even remember now where I seen it, but the there was a post that showed details, just the the ten thousand foot overviews of all of the successes Donald Trump has had as a president, and then I thought, okay, that's a really long list. It took me about twenty minutes to read through everything. These were bullet points. So it took me that long to read through all of it. So I thought there's got to be a list out there of what Joe Biden has done. He's been in, 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 off, or in uh, the political scene for 47 years. I want to see what this list is. I found it on Miami-Dade D- Democratic Party uh, website. It took me about three and a half minutes to read. There was about 12 bullet points, and two of the bullet points were uh, identical in stating that he he – the, the uh, I don't remember what year it was, the crime bill that has been obviously a terrible thing. Um, and both sides agree. And they, the, the first bullet point was he uh, was the head man on that crime bill. And then the second bullet point was, you know, obviously, this has been an issue and, and they've changed their views on this. Well, that's Joe Biden for you. He is a, uh, <laughs> he is the guy that's in the, he just goes with the wind and it's, yeah. it's bad with him. And that's kind of how everything has been. And all of his other bullet points that they threw out there were he supported this 
bill. He supported this act. Okay. Just because you voted for it doesn't mean that you were instrumental in it at all. Right. You, yep. you, weren't, you weren't running the charge here. You're like, and all of his foreign yeah, policy, yeah, all of his foreign policy decisions that he uh, did head up as vice president have been pretty much labeled as bad policy. Yeah, it's it's unreal. So, uh, last thing here that I have, and this is a touchy subject because obviously, you know, anything that you can say in, <laughs> against Black Lives Matter makes you a white supremacist and a racist. And although you are not a white supremacist and a racist at all, anything you say against Black Lives Matter, is it, it makes you that, according to the liberal media. I am so tired of being called a white supremacist because I voted for Donald Trump. That frustrates me so much because I am not a white supremacist. I have, like, but, I just, have no idea Just say what you want to say and, and let's go from there. <laughs> All right. When does it? When do you think equality finally happens? Never. Uh, never. Uh, okay. <laughs> Explain yourself. Um, I mean, when do you think the media? You don't think the media will ever say equality? We've we finally reached equality. We we actually were making real good headway for perhaps the the first time since maybe the sixties or seventies when we act we made huge headway. Uh, that 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 so many black people, particularly black men, were voting for Trump. I mean, granted, it was only 25 percent of the minority crowd, but still, that was way more than previously. But Donald Trump went to the black community and he said, what can we do? We need to get you jobs. We need to get you independence. We need to get you off the government because that is not making your life better. And the, the black community really caught got caught up in that. Uh, but mm -hmm. the, the, the left wants to create divisiveness as much as they can. They want hatred between men and women. They want hatred between black and white and you name any other culture. Uh, they they want to just, just create that outrage and use that. So the Black Lives Matter itself, those protests, should Biden win, they're, they're going to be gone immediately. It's like mm -hmm. every other protest when a, a Republican wins or Republicans in office. It's, it's only a problem when there's a Republican. And then when there's a Democrat, all of a sudden, we're not protesting anymore. But the only way that I see the media ever saying that equality, uh, we, we've reached equality, we've, we've reached um, this point in our history, is when, the, when white people are actually the ones being, um, being discriminated against. I think that's the only no. way. I think well, that, we're there. <laughs> so, yeah, but I mean, I, I, I mean, where where white unemployment is higher than black unemployment, that's when we've reached equality. Is when, and that's that's not the way that it should be, and it frustrates me. But I think that's the only way well, the media admits to equality happening. Yeah, I grew up in the Detroit area. Went to school at Wayne State in downtown Detroit. The a question came to me years ago about you know, what's the difference between black people and white people? And I said, well, I don't know the difference. I, we both sweat the same. We both bleed the same. We, we both want a, a good job and we want to be able to take care of our kids and our families and our communities. And, and we want to make God smile every day. These are the things that are important to black people and white people. As far as our differences, I, I don't know anything beyond that. We, we are much more alike than we're different. And I still believe that. Yeah, I mean, 
that's I, I completely agree with that view. The I'm not actually a scientist to tell you why our skin colors are different. That's the only differences that I that I can that I can really see. I don't I, I've seen a lot of white people be terrible um parents, be par- terrible citizens of the United States, have been just terrible people in general. But it I, it doesn't mean that I think all white people are bad and it, I've seen it both ways. Yep. I don't but, just you can't just generalize that, but the media wants you to continue to do that so that they can and the left wants that as well so that they can continue to run on that platform. And and it's the the weird reality is we're all brown. Some of us are very pale brown and some of us are, <laughs> are much darker brown, but we're all brown. If, if you put our colors on a piece of paper on a color chart and looked at it, you go, oh, these are shades of brown. So mm-hmm. you can call me white. Uh, I'm brown. <laughs> and, and I don't mean to belittle that and say I share the black experience. I realize that they've had a tough go of it. But no, it's, it's really not about skin color. It, it, the melanin in our skin is really irrelevant. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's completely a true statement. And I, I'm just, I'm so over being told that I am a bad person because of slavery. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the thing is that slavery has been present throughout the slavery. It, the Bible talks about it. Slavery mm-hmm. has been present on every continent except maybe Antarctica. It's been present in Asia. It's been present in Africa. It's been present in Europe. Is the South America, North America? Every culture has had slavery, and it's not just black and white slavery. It's they're enslaving their own races. It's, slavery is is re- really a domination of man that different people have done. Uh, and really, United States was a leader in ending slavery. We weren't the first country, I want to say England or France was, that was really leading, stopping slavery worldwide. But the United States jumped in on that very, very early. In fact, before the United States was the United States, we had Pennsylvania and I want to say Connecticut outlawing slavery. So we were, I mean, we were like anti-slavery. We had those roots from the beginning. So to, to blame us for being slavery when we were part of the anti-slavery forces is just ludicrous. But our schools, when, yep, our school system isn't teaching us that, so our kids don't grow up learning that. You look at how long we had slavery. I'm not trying to justify this. This is what I mean by if you ever right. try to speak out against uh, these rhetorics that you're a racist immediately. But we had racism for very short term in. The, the history of our country. Right. The country hasn't been a, around that long. It didn't take long for this country to revolt against a terrible thing. But right. when you look at countries in, in the Middle East and Asia, Europe, how long, I mean, there was thousands and thousands of years. It, it may be tens of thousands. We don't have history books um, to go back pre-Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, there's... Just time and time again, nobody gets that that message. And we only had slavery for a very brief moment compared to the rest of humanity. And for some reason, America gets the short end of the stick on that. Um, and they just think we were the country that enslaved uh, an, an entire race of people. Well, we did do that, yes, but <laughs> not for not for that long, and I didn't do it. So stop blaming me. And and weirdly, slavery is going on in Africa right now. Black people Mm -hmm. selling black people. But 
again, again get nobody's talked talking about it. Yeah. All right, Bruce. Well, I think we've hit the uh, the end of our road here, and I want to thank you for joining me here. I I uh, know it's been a been going for quite some time here, but I think this has been a good uh, discussion, and, and it's nice to just talk to somebody who has the same uh, general set of views as me in my life. So, well, um, as it turns out, we do agree on on many more things than I thought we'd agree on. Oh, <laughs> I, I I didn't have any doubt. I've just been a little more quiet about it on social media than you have. I think, yeah, I just don't have social media, so that's been. That's been the problem. You don't see my, my uh, what what goes on in my head because that's why I got rid of my social media because everything that went on in my head went into my social media and it controlled me too much. So um, I understand. <laughs> you're you're known as G Dog on Facebook. Is that a self proclaimed? Uh... <laughs> uh, I used to just be Bruce Linder, but I I, I picked up the self proclaimed G Dog when we when our grandchild was born what do you want I, i've always called myself the big dog and with the grandchild being born i'm the grand dog or the grandpa okay. dog so grant that's kind of long so i'm gonna just go with g dog that that's fair so. all right well uh that's uh that's pretty much the end here bruce i don't think i have anything else unless you have any closing comments you want to make not at all. Um, actually, the interesting thing will be, one, is how successful this podcast is. And two, my my book sales have been near death lately, and that's fine. Um, see if there's any sales I made from this conversation. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I, I don't think I have a strong enough following yet. I might I need your help in promoting that a little <laughs> bit. So uh, well, you just got to get uh, you got to get people word of mouth because I, I'm not. It seems like the only way to advertise anymore is through social media and I just kind of don't want to be a part of social media that much. So. Nope. I get it. Um, yeah. And I, same thing. That's my, my book hasn't had great sales, but part of it is I am avoiding social media, but that's the way I should be marketing it. But I, yeah. I, I didn't necessarily write it expecting it to be a bestseller. Um, it's uh I, I think my next book that I'm going to, I wrote this one as kind of the practice book. My next book is going to be uh, All Patients Great and Small, talking about physical therapy. That will probably okay. sell better. But this was, I mean, just the whole process of writing a book. I mean, they say you need to get an editor and you need to get uh, a book agent. I think those were the two things I needed. Oh, my Lord, was that hard. Um, yeah. I never did get a book agent. I tried and tried for that and failed. And I went through three or four editors that I was going to pay real good money to. And finally, I settled on, a, on somebody I knew who told me that she could edit my book. And I'm like, no, you can't, but you're the best I got. And <laughs> she did a wonderful job. She turned my piece of shit book into a much, much better book. Uh, but it was just dumb luck that I found her. She, she actually found me, and she was my first reader, and she helped guide me as I'm writing the book, and that was a lot of fun. But I didn't want her to edit it. I wanted to, you know, hire a real editor. I searched for several editors, and uh, I finally found one, and I had to fire that one because she just wasn't doing anything. I, I think once she read my book or you know skimmed my book, she hated it, so she didn't want to be the editor anymore. And um, so I finally found Amanda. And Amanda really—that was just a godsend. So you, even the process of writing a book was just kind of a fun thing to go through. That's a great platform to to get your views and opinions and just kind of, and like what I'm doing is venting in occasions. So yep. 
I I can see where you would have enjoyed that. Yep. So. All right. Well, I thank you for being on the show, and uh, maybe we'll do this again sometime when you're a best-selling author. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I had a great time. Uh, If you ever invite me back, I will say yes. All right. Thanks, Bruce. Take care, TJ.